you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. I see in the audience that we have some who are back for the first time. Uh, and it's certainly good that people are able to get their vaccines and get where they can come back in and feel more safe in the auditorium. And we're so excited to have you here. If you're joining us on social media, we are also welcome you. In our services today, Brother Joe Garrett is going to be leading our singing. Brother Buster Green will have the opening prayer. Levi Sweeney, the uh, scripture reading. Brother Stephen Hodgen has a special lesson for us today. Brother Carter Sweeney will conduct us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Todd Sweeney will have the announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful blessings. And it is such an awesome blessing for us to be able to assemble to worship thee. We pray that all we do today would be acceptable in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody this morning. <clears throat> Singing from the songbook, if you will, turn to 537. Here we are, but straying pilgrims. <clears throat>
Dear Father Heaven above, just thank you for letting us gather here in your church today, Lord, and just learning more about you. And just thank you for all the many blessings you've given us all throughout the week, Lord, and the beautiful day today. And just please be those of our number who are sick, and just please be with them in any way that you can, Lord, and just please help them. And please be with those who are overseas fighting for our countries, Lord. And just please let us have a, a knowledge today and learn more about you throughout the lesson, Lord, and just pay attention to your word. And thank you for sending your son Jesus down the cross for the mission of our sins. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The invitation to the song today will be number 918, if you'd like to mark that in your books this time. 918. The song before the lesson this morning is number 538. 538. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 11. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and marketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it.
Thank you, Levi. Good morning. It is so exciting to look out and see you here today. Thank you for your desire to be together with God's people, to worship Him, to worship our Heavenly Father, the great Creator, the great I Am. And I am blessed to be able to be a part of that today. And I appreciate um, Levi reading that. As we open our Bibles and think about a lesson in just a moment, I hope that you will have your Bible open. But for the moment, bow with me, please. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are mindful of your goodness and your grace. And as we think about the scripture that was read to us a moment ago, that your word will accomplish exactly what you would have it to accomplish. May we think about our part in listening and hearing and absorbing and teaching and living your matchless grace through your truth and your goodness. May we listen, may we learn, and may we serve. In your son's name we pray, amen. This morning, if you looked in your bulletin, uh, you may have thought, as Brother Jim said, uh, this is a uh, special lesson, I suppose. But as you think about that for just a moment, you looked at it and said, uh, and uh, are we going to have our PowerPoint? Uh, ask and you shall receive. Uh, so, as you think about this particular scripture that uh, Levi read to us this morning... Isaiah is talking about a, a, the hope in the grace of God and in the power and the hope that's found in the Word of God. As we consider that this morning, and again, as you think about that title, Studying the Bible Through Bible Classes. Now, I want to make sure that, and maybe this is just a preacher's perspective, but sometimes, and maybe I should say shame on me for even thinking that, but sometimes we have lessons like that, and you say, Studying the Bible Through Bible Classes. Well, that really doesn't apply to me, uh, so I'll click off. But I want you to think, I assure you and I guarantee you that as we allow God in our worship today to speak to us through His truth, as we are worshiping Him by listening, by listening to hear what He has to say and asking ourselves how, in what way does it apply to me and how can I enact it the way He wants me to enact it in my everyday life, then there are some things I promise you that is for each and every one of us because we're not just, you say, well, isn't this an advertisement sermon preacher for that uh, new program that starts tonight? Absolutely not. Because I, I will say this, that yes, there has been some work and some prayer into a, a uh, adult Bible class curriculum that will cover five years. And if you're interested in seeing that, there are some copies back in the back on your way out on the same table where the Lord's Supper, I mean, uh, the, the emblems and the bulletin are. If you want to take a look at that, and we'll put more out as they're needed, just to give you an idea, and I pray that we'll have a lot of men who come down tonight. I promise you, you're not going to be asked to do something you don't want to do. Uh, we, there's already so many things, and we'll talk about that later, but that's not what this is about. I want us to think about the fact when we look at Isaiah 55 and God says, seek me while I can be found. Call upon me while I'm near. That there's some urgency. There is a need to be listening to what God says, has to say. And then he says that my word that comes out of my mouth 
it will do just exactly what I intend for it to do. It has that power, it has that intent, it has that purpose. And as we think about that, I want us to think about the idea of studying the Bible through Bible classes. Now, disclaimer as we start this lesson today. You look at that image of that Bible up there. This is not going to be a lesson where we go to passages like Romans 1.16 for that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Or James 1 in verse 23, that, or 21, that reminds us that it is the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. We're not going to go to passages like Matthew 18, or 28 rather, sorry, 18 through 20, or Mark 16, 15, and 16 that remind us that we must be those who are going out there making disciples with the Word of God as people obey it and continuing to teach that. We've studied those lessons and we'll study those verses again. Those verses are at the very foundation of what it is I want us to consider this morning. And that is, as we think about God's Word going out and doing what God said it would do, it wouldn't come back empty, he said. Is there a place for studying the Bible in Bible classes? Now, another disclaimer, and then I promise we'll get started. And that disclaimer is simply this. I don't, when I say Bible class from now on, I want you to erase from your mind the image of an auditorium. I want you to erase from your mind the image of a room with desks and tables. I want you to erase from your mind anything that might be considered to be still for or stark. Now, might a Bible class take place in an auditorium? Absolutely. Might it take place in a classroom with table? Absolutely. But is that the only place that it is? No. Should, is a Bible class something that is always formal or stiff? Kind of like the fellow who said to me many years ago uh, when I was teaching a Bible class. I had a teenager say, whoa, wait a minute. He wouldn't be an ugly, but he was being honest. He said, wait a minute, you can't give us an assignment to do. You can't. Did you just say you were going to give us a test? You can't do that. I said, why not? Because this is, what is the Bible class? We do that at school. We come up here to just, well, we just kind of sit. And I said, well, not anymore. Uh, there's an urgency. There needs to be some seeking and some calling and some listening. God's Word is powerful and it's ready to do what it needs to be done. So I want us to think then about... What about this studying the Bible through Bible classes? We may go to some places today you hadn't considered, and I hope that you will consider them. Now, I'm going to do this lesson differently than I have ever uh, preached a lesson before, and hope that doesn't show in a negative way. But there are some application passages. Those are the only verses that we're going to use in this particular lesson. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 13. So if you're a, a Bible turner, you might get prepared. If you're a note taker, I'm going to put them up there. I changed the slides a little bit from the 8.30 service. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Acts 13, 1 and 2. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. And then chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And then Hebrews 11, as we close today, 11 through 14. These application passages, as we think about Isaiah 55 and the idea of God's Word going out and doing what God intends for it to do, what place is there in our lives, in our function, in our structure is there for studying the Bible through Bible classes, or is there one? First of all, I'd like for us to consider God's principle and pattern. Remember, we're talking about studying the Bible through Bible classes. I invite you to go to Nehemiah chapter 8. God's principle and pattern. Is there anything in the Word of God that would suggest to us that there's a pattern 
for this kind of thing. That there is a principle. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 8, when you notice that Ezra has returned to Jerusalem after the captivity, Nehemiah has returned, the wall has been built, and I want you to notice what's happened. Verse 1, we won't read all of this. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which God commanded. First of all, they asked for the book. So Ezra the priest, verse 2, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it. Now I want you to drop to the end of verse 3. And the ears of all the people were... Attentive to the law. Now go down to verse 5. He opened it. All the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered, Amen. Now, jump to verse 7 and 8. Now watch this. Listen to this. Often we miss 7 and 8. There's a list of men along with Levites. The Levites were the tribe of people who committed themselves to God's service. They They gave their entire life to the spiritual service of God's law. Notice what they did. They helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they, the they are those names. The they are the Levites. What they do, they read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they gave the sense, and they helped them to understand the reading. Notice the principle. If we're not careful, I'm afraid we might in their minds envision Nehemiah 8 as some great stadium revival. You know, all these people gathered together in a stadium kind of uh, circumstance and Ezra standing up there and preaching one long sermon and that's the end of it. There was much more to it than that. How do you know? Well, look at those verses. There were other people involved and they were not just reading, but they were reading distinctly. You mean they were being plain? No. They were saying, this is what it says. And they helped them have the understanding, this is what it means. They gave the sense, this is what it means, and they helped them understand, this is what you do with it. See, there is a pattern that has always existed in God's Word. Isaiah said, God wants His Word to go out of His mouth. That's always been His plan. In Nehemiah, we learn it's always been in God's pattern, God's principle, that there be those who help others to get it. That there is a time, that there is a place, that there is a structure in which we are not only reading it, we're understanding it. And we're helping each other do that. Now, go with me to Deuteronomy. And you realize, of course, there's no way we could cover uh, all of these in this period of time, or we would be here quite a while. We'll look at, I just want you to study it a little more. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, now as Moses is talking to the children of Israel, I want you to notice what he said, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now look at verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them. Now wait a minute. These words which I command you shall be in your heart. What words? Not just thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, all your mind. No, no. Not just those words, but all the words that go with those words. You keep reading all of those, all of God's law. What did he say do with those? You teach them diligently to your children. And there's a reason for that. And we'll get to verse 10 and 11 in just a few minutes. But 
there has always been. Point number one is very simple. It has always been a principle and a pattern in God's behavior that His Word be taught, that His Word be shared in a way, not in a haphazard way, but in a way that instructs, in a way that uh, systematically creates obedience and service and understanding. In Acts chapter um, 13, verses 1 and 2, if you read the bulletin last week, you saw in Brother Ken's article there was um, this reference in Acts 13, 1 and 2. And in the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Um, um, well, I can never call that first guy's name. Um, Simon, who is called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, man who grew up or who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, and I think I left Barnabas out of that first list. So five of them. But verse 2, And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Paul or Saul and Barnabas for the work which I have given them, which I have, that set them apart to me. Huh, now wait a minute. But I want to back up. What does he say in, in verse 1? There were certain what? Teachers. And he named five of them. That word teacher is not the word for good news carrier, preacher. But it, rather, it is, or evangelist, it's the word literally, teacher. It means instructor. It means someone who instructs somebody else to understand something better, to be a better... Uh, uh, to understand and apply just a little bit better. Oh, okay. So there were several of them, right? Yes. All right, we'll stop right there. We've got to come back to it. It's always been God's pattern. If we look at the book of Acts as a pattern of the New Testament church, when we look at Antioch, we'll find that one of the patterns of God's New Testament church was that there were in-place teachers who taught other people how to be better Christians and how to learn His Word better and then do that same thing. So as we think about that, I take us to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Paul's warning to Timothy there is this, but evil uh, men and imposters shall get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you, watch this, but you continue in the things which you have learned and been assured, knowing of whom you've learned them, and watch verse 15, and that from a child... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then comes verse 16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Do you see a pattern there? Timothy was equipped to become... You say, well, Paul found this fella, this diamond in the rough, and just whipped him into... Let's, we must not negate the plan of God that was already in place. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 5... When I call into memory that your faith, which was first in your grandmother and your mother, remember that? From a child, you've known the Holy Scripture. Okay, what do you mean? What do you talk? What's this whole point? It has always been God's principle and pattern that we have Bible classes. Now, wait a minute. You say, what are you talking about? I'll let you define Bible classes. I'll let you define that. 
But Deuteronomy 6 tells us clearly, this passage tells us clearly, there is a systematic approach, there is a regular, consistent behavior in which I, before I get to these Bible classes, before I get to this auditorium, that we spend time talking to our children, talking to them in a way that they are learning, talking to them in a way that they are being instructed, that this is what the Word of God says. And this is why the Word of God says what it says. And this is how the Word of God is different and makes you different from the rest of the world. And those are Bible classes. It doesn't matter if they take place on your living room floor. It doesn't matter if they take place at your kitchen table. It doesn't matter if they take place in the back seat of the car in between softball games or basketball games. But they need to take place. Because of that important. So as we think about, there is a pattern for Bible classes. And then when we come up here, we have teachers who work very hard at instilling God's Word into children. And then we move on into the adult. We'll come back to that. God's plan and power. Let's look first, secondly, at God's plan and God's power. I understand it is a principle. I understand that uh, it is a plan. Does God have a plan for this to happen? Is there a pattern for it? Yes. A principle for it? Yes. But is there a plan for it? Is there power in it? Is it really worth it? And I have to sidestep just a minute, not soapbox. Uh, By the way, to my own... uh, This clock's not working. So... As you think about, I think about a fellow I'll never forget. I don't know why. I don't even remember who it was. I can't see his face, but I always remember his words. Who said to me, we need to not have Bible. They wasn't here, by the way. We need to not have vacation Bible school anymore. Man, it's a waste of money. Don't nobody come and nobody learns anything. And then I always think of, if you get on Facebook, you'll see a young lady, and she's going to be mad at me for saying her name. Her name is Tanya, who came to us many, many, many years ago at Little Burnsville, Mississippi. She was about that high and had very little expectation of what was on the inside of those buildings. And now she's married to a gospel preacher, and now she's instructing her children. And all of that came, it started in a Bible class. It started in a vacation Bible school. It didn't end there. But it started there. God has a plan and power. I go back to Nehemiah 1. I want you to notice, or Nehemiah 1, sorry, Nehemiah 8. Let's go back there. And I want you to notice what's happening. Now, notice we read, uh, we looked at verse 8. They, those people read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave them the sense, helped them understand. Now drop down to verse number 13. Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe. Why'd they come? In order to understand the words of the law. Phase two. And they found written in the law, which God had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should be dwelling in tents. They found a command in the law of something they were supposed to observe that they didn't even realize because that had been lost. That had been forgotten. What's your point here, preacher? Is that God's plan 
And God's power through His Word is evident. Here were a group of people who God has always wanted, people who were attentive, people who were listening, people who were wanting, and people who were willing to teach. And when it happened, they came back to hear more. And when they came back to hear more, they learned more. And as they learned more, they dug deeper. And as they dug deeper, they found out some things were not as they should be. And what they do? They fixed them. God's plan and power is, is that if we will teach each other, we will grow. And if we teach each other, we will learn. And if we learn, we will understand. And if we understand, we will apply. And if we apply, then we will grow to His service. In Deuteronomy, back to chapter 6, I want you to notice this. Let's drop down and look at verses 11 and 12. Make sure I get the right verse. 10 and 11. Hmm. Did you notice there? He said, you should teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you're in your house. Walk by the way, lie down. But look at verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God... Of course, you have to bind them as a sign on your hand. Make them a part of your life. Frontlets between your eyes. Make them a part of your mind. Write them on the doorpost of your house, make them a part of your home. But then he said in verse 10, It shall be when the Lord God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of things which you did not fill, wells you did not dig, vineyards you did not plant. For us, what does that mean? That was a blessing for them. For us, the power is when we take the time to instill God's word into the next generation. And we take the time to instill that into one another. God will bless us. He will bless us. Now, travel back to Acts chapter 13 very quickly. Remember in Acts 13, in the church there were certain prophets and teachers. Now, travel backward. Go to Acts 11. Very quickly, I want you to look at Acts eleven twenty two. Remember, we're reading Acts as a history of the Lord's church. Catch this, verse 22. Then news of the church, Acts 11, news of the things which uh, came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart that they should continue in the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed, Tarsus to seek Saul. He said, well, I've read this before. I've had Acts class. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Oh, I know that phrase. Don't let that be the only phrase you know. They assembled with the church for a whole year and taught a lot of people. Now jump to Acts 13.1. Why was there a large number of prophets and teachers? Why were there a large number of teachers at Antioch teaching other people and growing? Because someone had taught them first. And God blessed that, and it was a powerful thing. The teaching of God's Word is powerful. When I go to 2 Timothy back there again, and I'm listening to what uh, Paul said there to Timothy, he said, continue in the truth, for it will make you what? He said, it's going to get worse. Sometimes we read Acts 16 and 17, and we don't read it in its whole context. It's in the context of a world gone wild. 
It's in the context of an evil place. And he said, verse 13, it's going to get worse and worse. But you continue in what you've learned, verse 14. You've known it since you were a child. And it's able to make you wise unto salvation. Wait, don't misread that and say, yes, Timothy, you better uh, stay in the truth and you'll go to heaven. Well, that's true, but that's not what that says. Make you wise unto salvation. Wise? Why would he need to be wise? Because he's living in a time when people are telling lies about God. He's living in a time when people are being dishonest. They're being cruel. They're being evil. And the Scripture, not that he hears one time on Sunday or every once in a while, that's not going to make him wise into salvation. That's just a part of it. But it is that foundation that he has because he is regularly a part of something that teaches him how to serve God. You say, well, he can do that by himself. He can. Well, no. He can study by himself, but he can't do that by himself. Because from a child, he had learned them. He'd been taught them. He'd been shown them. And that's powerful. But now I want us to think about God's call. As we think about learning or studying the Bible in Bible classes, God's call for participation and propagation. Propagation simply means it spreads. It continues. It moves forward. God's call for participation. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh, let's go back to Nehemiah. Let's not lose our train of thought here. When I go back to Nehemiah, I want you to think about this. Remember what God said in Isaiah 55? Isaiah said for God in Isaiah 55 that Levi read to us this morning. Thank you, Levi, for reading that. He said what? He said what? That... God wants us to seek Him. God wants us to call out. But then He says, My word will not come back void. It will do what I said it would do. That's power. But did you notice the illustration that Levi read? Bread to the eater, seed to the sower. The last time I checked, that was a process. Someone had to make the bread before you could eat it. Someone had to sow the seed before you could uh, uh, reap it and then replant the seed later. That's a process. God said, my word that goes out of my mouth. Now you pay close attention to what we read this morning and what the Scripture says. God's message today comes out through a messenger. And that's you and me. It comes out to those who carry it to other people. In Nehemiah chapter 8... God has always wanted attentive people, listening people, attentive people, but also teaching people. We can't miss that. In Acts 13, uh, again, I now go to verse 2. See, I wondered how this would be using the same verses and the points. At least in my head it works. But he said at Antioch, there were what? Many teachers. Verse 2, as they were ministering for the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Wait a minute. As they were ministering for the Lord. Who was ministering? The teachers. Okay. I don't mean for this to sound like a dumb question. 
But what were the teachers at Antioch doing if they were ministering for the Lord all that time at Antioch? Now, if you're thinking, uh, duh, they were teaching. You're right. They were teaching. What were they teaching? And you're thinking, is he that dumb? They were teaching God's Word. Whom were they teaching? Well, the people in Antioch who were listening, you got it. Now, were they teaching those on the outside? Of course they were. But you have to understand that the principle is clear. They were teaching one another. They were teaching Christians to be stronger, to grow, to be better. God's pattern, God's, or God's call is we have to spread, we have to continue, and we have to participate. We have to be listeners, we have to be wanters of the truth and doers of it, but we also have to be teachers of it. Now, I'm going to use the same illustration that I used earlier uh, with the same disclaimer. I mean, no... Uh, Disrespect. I'm not talking about this congregation, in fact. But it was something I heard many years ago. In fact, I think it was at a, maybe the polishing the pulpit or some, but there was a, it, boy, that room, you, you couldn't sit down, Brother Jim. Might have been the year that, that you and I were up there together because it was a fellow, and the title was, Why Are We Losing So Many of Our 20-somethings? And that room was packed. Standing room on, there were elders, there were preachers, there were uh, lots and lots and lots of grayer-ish people. No offense. Listen, they wanted to know. Tell us what's wrong with these 20-somethings. We really need to know because they're just all going away. And in his sermon, he said, he said, okay, I'm about to say something that you're probably not going to like. Remember, this room is this big, full of people. And he said, from my observations of preaching the truth for several years, my observation has been this in many places, no offense, he said. But it's been my observation that we start them in toddler class and we grow them up excited about the Word of God and they are excited and they are excited and they are excited and we get them into a youth group that's on fire for the Lord and they're serving the Lord and they're learning about God and they, they love to study His Word and then they graduate high school and we send them into the auditorium and ain't nothing happening there. And he got so quiet. 500 people got quiet at the... Uh-oh. He said, I didn't mean that ugly. But it might be true. If you noticed in God's Word, there's also grown-ups who are teaching and learning and in Bible class. That's a part of God. God intends for that to happen. Remember Timothy, who from a child, who, but it was whose faith? Grandmother's faith. Mother's faith. If you get mad at me for what I'm about to say, I pray you'll forgive me because I have nobody in mind. But folks, to say I've taught for a long time and I don't want to teach anymore, you need to revisit that. Because if grandmother Lois and mother Eunice, I mean, I got those picked mixed up. If they had retired from teaching, Timothy might have had a different life. I mean that from my heart. We have a golden opportunity to teach and to, to accomplish so much. But as we think about now, as we close this particular thought, this lesson, what will you do? What will I do with this? What will I do with this? I hope that there's some Bible classes that spring up in some houses and some homes that I, have, I never know about. 
I hope some mamas and daddies and grandmamas and grandpapas uh, start having Bible class in some unique places. And I said, and I didn't say this earlier, but, but I said when I first started working with the education program here, and I had somebody look sideways at me when I said that and kind of snicker, I said, I'm being serious. I said, my goal is in five years from my starting that there is a waiting list to teach in our Bible class. And I'll be honest, somebody said, <coughs> that never happened. Um, and you know what? It may not, but it won't keep me from trying. We have such a powerful opportunity. And I still didn't ask Ken's permission to quote him, uh, so I guess I'll just do it again. Uh, in his article, if you read the article, you know, I'm, I'm a, a lover of words, and so I hear things worded a certain way, and I write it down. And he said, he's talking about teachers in that article. And he said, it becomes the seat by which God's Word is transferred from one life to another. See, that's Bible class. You know, uh, when I'm sitting with my granddaughter, Phelan, and we're talking about uh, uh, becoming a young lady of character, uh, and we do that for 10 or 15 minutes... Well, that's not a Bible class. Why not? We use the Bible. And we, we'd still, God's Word is transferred from one life to another. And he made a statement Wednesday night that I wrote down that he was glad he was talking about becoming a Christian. And the way he worded it, the way he worded it, he didn't say, I sure am glad somebody showed me the plan of salvation and took me to the baptism and baptized me. Now, he could have said that. It would have been correct. But he said, I'm so glad somebody took the time to see to it that the truth was developed in me. And I thought, man, that resonates. That resonates with what we need to be doing. And then I'll close with this thought. I read this in the House to House, Heart to Heart recently about a mother who gave her uh, high school graduate a Bible as he went off to college and she wrote in the front, said, this book will keep you from sin. And only sin will keep you from this book. And that is at the heart of what we need to be doing. Now, I want you to think about this. Remember what Paul said about Timothy? For Timothy to be instructed from a child, there had to be someone in whom that faith was already alive. And for there to be individuals at Antioch, being teachers, they first obeyed the gospel. For me to be a teacher of the Word of God or a listener of the Word of God in a productive way, I have to be a child of God, a faithful child of God. So the question is, what will you do with your opportunities, especially starting with yourself? Have you obeyed the gospel of Christ? Is the blood of Christ uh, the cleansing agent in your soul because you... Believe that Jesus is the Son of God so very much that you repent of your sins, make a decision, you confess His sweet name, and you were buried in, in Him, in His death, in baptism. And you've arisen to walk a new life. Are you living that new life? It may be there are some things that I hope you'll consider differently based on this lesson. The very first thing is where are you spiritually? If you need to respond to heaven's invitation, we're going to sing a song to encourage you. And if you need to respond, please do. While we stand and while we sing. My bondage,
I think some of us worried, maybe words too strong, we wondered post-COVID as the dust settles and the smoke clears, will we see remnants, will we see our spiritual family again? We are. And that means a great deal. Normally, I would say, uh, after today, exit is different. The exit is by alley as you hug her neck and tell her you love her on the way out. Well, COVID changes that a little bit. So it doesn't matter if you see her in the parking lot or on the text or uh, on the phone. It still goes by alley today in whatever way you can because that's family. Real thing number 383 in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Jesus, keep me near the cross.
If you'd like to turn with me, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this bread we have before us that represents Christ's body that he gave on that cruel death on the cross um, for people like us, Lord. And so I ask that as we partake of this, that we never forget its meaning that it has to us. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you bow with me? Lord, we also thank you for the cup that's before us that represents Christ's blood that he also shed for sinners like us, Lord. And ask that we just never forget this and we always partake of it in the manner pleasing unto you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We are also commanded to give back a portion of what is ours, and you know there are several ways set up you can do so. Would you go with me in prayer right now? Dear Lord, we just thank you for all the blessings you have given us. We sometimes don't realize how blessed we are and how grateful we should be. And when we give back to you, we need to just give with the right mind, help it always be in a joyful manner, and a cheerful giver, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunities and the blessings that we have to do so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us today, we're extremely grateful that you've chosen the Boomer Church of Christ uh, as your visit today. I don't have a lot of announcements this morning, but I do remind you, if you did not pick up a bulletin, pick one up on your way out or, or sick list. It's, it's pretty lengthy in there, so make yourself aware of that. Uh, 8.30 services this morning, we had 103. Uh, 10.30 service this morning, we had 205, so that's, that's a good number. Uh, Tom Wade also asked me to remind anyone who is planning on or is interested in the Lads to Leaders Providers he needs to meet with y'all in the little chapel directly after services today. He, he just kind of needs to get an idea of a number of participants that's going to be involved in that. Uh, also remind everyone of our, our services this evening. Men, you're being asked to, to meet in the annex at 5 o'clock, and everyone else will be in here in the auditorium for a guest speaker at 5 o'clock. 
That's all the announcements I have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity we've had to come and worship you in song and praise. Father, we're so thankful for the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. Father, help us to take the time to realize those blessings, whether they be big or small. Father, we ask you to continue to be with the elders of our church, that they may continue to lead us in a way that will be pleasing unto thee. Just, we, we, our prayer is that we continue to seek you for guidance throughout our everyday lives. Father, we thank you so much for Allie this morning and coming forward and confessing her sins among you. Help us to be an encouragement to her as well as to others. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name I pray. Amen. <laughs>